DJ PK, time to welcome Yogi Roth back to the show. Pac-12 Network football analyst joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Yogi, good morning. It is beautiful, man. I'm overlooking the Sunset Strip right now, or the Vegas Strip right now, and it is uh, it is gorgeous. Sun is out, and the place is vibing, man. You saw it all last night. I was walking through the hotel, and you fans are, they can't correct. They're not going to think it's a beautiful night unless it ends yeah, up with Utah sure. winning I, the game. Win the game, Yogi. I hear you, man. I hear you. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, the vibe is it's really cool here. You can tell, uh, and I think I don't. I mean, you can quote me, I guess. But from what I was told, fifty one thousand plus are gonna be in that brilliant stadium. I went through it yesterday. Man, that turf it's 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 got a little bounce to it. You know, like I walked out there and I just had the chills the minute I walked into an empty stadium, and then you imagine fifty plus thousand in there. It's gonna be the coolest environment we've had in Pac-12 championship history. It just will be, man. That's my prediction when he's walking into it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm in Vegas right now. I'm at the Palms. I'm looking out over the west side of the valley, and it certainly looks gorgeous today. I didn't go through the stadium because I was there when BYU played Arizona. Rather, I played golf yesterday, and it was just spectacular. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got hooked up with some local people. I just went out as a single, and you know, they asked what you do. So I told them, and they're they're excited, wanted to talk about the game and all that stuff. So you definitely can feel it. I think it was an absolute no-brainer to move this thing to Vegas and get people excited. And it's awesome that it worked out for the first year you have the Utes. I uh, just told DJ that uh, I've got a friend of mine, longtime friend, Utah season ticket holder, and he's literally on the road right now with 13 family members. <laughs> and they're all not in the same car, obviously, but uh, they're coming over. So there's a lot of hype about this game from the Utah perspective. I'm wondering from your perspective, we saw what happened two weeks ago, and that was a shocker. Not necessarily that Utah won, but in the dominating fashion in which they won. In your mind, does that performance two weeks ago mean anything tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like now, I don't think either team is 30 points or more better than the other team. Like, go, you go back and you study the game and then all the previous games, and you know, we got the two best teams in the league, right, clearly. I think that uh, where it does matter is in the mindset, right? And I talked to players about this this week on both sides of, Okay, uh, let's just talk with Oregon. You know, they obviously got, you know, handled uncharacteristically for, for them under Mario Cristobal in that game. So do they walk in with an incredible chip on their shoulder, fearless, saying that wasn't us, and they actually believe it? Or is there some doubt in there, like, hey, you've got kind of own the line of scrimmage on both sides. Like, can we, uh, like, man, it's going to be a tough one. And so I think the whole mental side of this, and then even for Utah, like, they're going to get on this first drive, the best punch that Oregon's thrown since Ohio State. They're just going to get it. And for them, is it going to be like, whoa, didn't, this was not the team we saw 13 days ago? Whoa, were we ready for this? So, yeah, I, I think that both teams' mindsets, and that's why the coaching is so critical in championship games, because you create your team's mindset. 
you talk to your team about the environment and the game and what to expect and anticipate. So when they roll out there, they can play free and play fast. And I think that's going to be the team that wins is not the one that plays with the most intensity and tightness. It's the team that plays with the most confidence and plays free. And, and I learned that a long time ago from, from Pete Carroll when I was with him at FC and tracking them with the Seahawks when they were rolling and Super Bowls and expectations, et cetera. And it was all about getting into the game and reminding yourself that you've earned the right to compete freely. And that's what I'm going to be looking for in the first two drives. Which team has that vibe over the other one? And, and maybe they both will. It'd be great. So how well will Oregon be able to run the ball? Because they ran for 63 yards against the Utes and got crushed. This is a team that can run for 200 yards in the bat of the eye, and they're undefeated when they have a 100-yard back. Do you have faith in their ability to run versus the Utes, or do the Utes control them again? Uh, I think they'll run the ball. I think it'll be in spurts. You know, I think when you, you watched last week in the Oregon State game specifically, the, what do you want to call it, the zone read game, or the run-pass option game, which is basically for the listeners when Anthony Brown, the quarterback, you know, looks like he's handing it off to Travis Dye and either gives it to him, throws it to somebody out the back door, or keeps it. That's their best form of offense, period. You know, we watch all their games, and that's when they thrive. And last week you saw them doing kind of what, a little bit of what Utah does in terms of motioning Travis Dye back into the backfield and forcing the defensive front to move a little bit and shift a little bit and slide a little bit. Uh, that's going to be the game, right? Oregon, is, they can operate efficiently in the whatever form of run game through Anthony Brown. They'll be in this game until it's late. Now, he'll have to make three legit throws, and he did three of them in the first meeting. Climb the pocket, third down, across the middle, on time, boom. Did another one down the sideline for a big uh, play in the first drive of the third quarter. You guys all saw that one. He's going to have to do that in critical times in the game, but I do think they'll be able to run the football. I don't think they're going to be thwarted, and I don't think they're going to rush for 350. I don't think it's going to be like it was in 2019 when C.J. Verdell just went off against the Ducks along with Justin Herbert with his legs. But they're going to find ways. I mean, that's why I kind of go back to off the top, man. This is, this is the best championship game I think we've had. And I get the environment. Like, when it was Donald versus Costello and Stanford FC, that was fun. Um, the year before when Chris McCaffrey went crazy, that was fun, but he just went bonkers and it was a route. I, I see this one going back and forth all night and then somebody pulling away late, you know, by 10, 14 points. The Utes Yogi clearly are a different team once the quarterback change was made and Rising got in there and he's taken off and obviously they've only lost once and have had a lot of dominating wins. From your perspective, what makes him who he is? Yeah, that's fun to, to ask. When you talk to the players or the staff, and there were some Utah officials last night at uh, the commissioner reception at the stadium, and everybody just talks about is this factor. And and I love that phrase now. I used to hate it because I thought it was the most overused, undefinable phrase. But now I, I think if I can, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think I could define it because I did a documentary on it. And I asked. You know, NFL players, elite football players, how would you define it? And where I netted out was the following. The if factor is when someone walks into a room and you can feel their presence. And they make everybody better. 
And that's what he's done. And you go back and you watch the San Diego State game, and I didn't think he played great. I, I didn't come away from that game being like, okay, this is going to be a guy that's going to lead them to an epic record of you know, the Rose Bowl. But as the year went on, and you watched him in SC and play action pass game and turn his back to a defense and throw a you know, corner route to Money Parks for a touchdown perfectly on time, or you saw him do it with his legs, and then you watched him as every week showed up. And then even uh, last week, after a pick on the first position, you see him bounce back immediately. Uh, he's got this, this element where he doesn't flinch. And then you talk to the players on his team about it. And they just love having him in the huddle, whether he's joking, whether it's having fun, whether it's the intensity. He's got this thing to him that cultivates winning and most importantly cultivates a belief in winning. And I think that's very unique. We're in a day and age where every high school player doesn't huddle, right? They never look 10 other guys in the eye for the most part. Right? There, there aren't those intimate moments where you follow that position. But Cam Rising had those. Think about where he's had them. He's had them, obviously, with the team in a team setting. He's had them in a training, set, a training room setting when he's had to recover from injury. He's had it when he sat up in the booth in 2019 with Britton Covey and watched it with Andy Ludwig with a headset on charting plays and coverages. He's kind of been in every environment you could be in as a player. And that, to me, commands such a respect. And then he's proven that he can also ball in games. That, that I look at him right now coming into this game, and he got every opportunity to be first-team all-league and Pac-12's Offensive Player of the Year with what he's done on the field and then with his intangibles. Yogi Roth joining us, Pac-12 Network football analyst. So when you have the better quarterback, you often have a great chance to win the game, and Anthony Brown was great against Oregon State, 23 of 28, 82%, 275 yards, two scores, no picks. That's a dream line for a quarterback. But he's also only completes 54% of the passes in a horrible loss to Stanford. And he had four games where he completed a lower percentage of passes than that. So he is just all over the map. To what level can Oregon count on him in this game? I think the one thing that Anthony Brown does, and as well as anybody, is he's like on the all-competitive team, man. But think about what he's gone through to your point. Like, number one, you're the quarterback at Oregon. And no offense to the other 11 institutions in our league, but most recently they've had the best success of that position with Marcus Mariota winning the Heisman. And everybody's compared to him, whether it's Dakota Prukop or Vernon Adams or Tyler Shock or now Anthony Brown. And we're going to mark on set tonight. I'm going to ask him about that. Of like, you, know, you talked to the, four, the, the past quarterback since you about dealing with the expectation that comes with you. And Anthony Brown's dealt with it, I think, pretty well. He's booed by his home crowd. Think about that. In Austin. And he's gone through a long season. You talk to people on his team and players, and they all recognize that. And they all recognize how he's never once complained. He just kind of kept it moving. you know. And, and I look at him again at every big moment, and I'm going to do a breakdown of him tonight on the show, our pregame show at 4 o'clock uh, Pacific right before the game. Rolling out to his left against UW in the rain, he throws it to Devin Williams for a touchdown. That's a throw of the year right now. right? Sideways rain. Everybody says, we're going to make him throw it. He did it. And you can go back to different moments throughout this season where he's had to elevate, right? UCLA game. They got to win late. What does he do? He allows them to win late, right? This team, in the fourth quarter, they averaged 10 points per game, uh, fifth best in the country. 
Like they, they can put the hammer on you late. They can kind of wear on you, and he can when he's, when he's rolling, right? He's a guy that builds on success as games go on and doesn't flinch when things go poorly. So, I, again, I, I think, yes, you're right. He needs to be 58 60% completion percentage. And for Utah, I would be, and I would, I would imagine they do this, they'll play some, some form of coverage outside that it is in the face of wide receivers trying to eliminate the quick passing game and easy reads for him. Make him evaluate wide receivers' releases off the line of scrimmage. Make him evaluate a defense that's constantly moving versus man coverage or off coverage where it's an easy pitch and catch for him. That's where he's thrived. Make him climb the pocket. He can do it. Make him do it for four quarters and deal. And, and I would imagine Utah does similar things to what they did in, in, the, in the first matchup and, and try to basically put eight guys in the box on first and second down if they beat us on third down. And if he does, he does. And I think that'll be the game plan. And I think he's capable of doing it. So that's why it makes it really fun. It's not like he's a quarterback that can't throw. It's a quarterback that's shown a lot of prowess at times. But to your point, he's also shown uh, inaccuracy at times. And that'll be an element, of course, tonight in the ballgame. One of your former interns, is he an NFL player? And I'm speaking of Britton Covey. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm here in Vegas, right? Hunter Renfro. Right? How many times does he go viral on some form of social media with the route that he runs? You know, can bust somebody's ankles up and set them up. I, I think he's got unique tools like that. And I don't think Britton will be everybody's cup of tea in you know, 32 teams in the league. But I do think there are some teams that love guys like him. And I think that he'll get an opportunity to play and and compete. And it'll be about, you know, that staff falling in love with somebody like that. And I, I can remember like yesterday and it breaks my heart, but I remember first year at SC I would I was still thinking I was gonna play when I was coaching. This is two thousand five. So I would still train after practice. I'd be running around and Coach Carroll would throw to me. And he'd say, Man, you know, like if I was in the league, like you, you definitely have, you know, an opportunity to make a roster because there's a guy like you on every team, which is, you know, I was definitely not nearly as talented as Britton Covey, but my point is like a possession receiver who can catch and understand zones and where to sit down and where to run through and all those things. And Britton obviously does that and can, and can add on special teams. So I think when I heard that, I was like, what? There's a guy like me on every team? There's a guy like Britton Covey on every team? And now you start studying it, and, and of course there is. Right? And, and I don't know, maybe it's not every team, but there's a place for someone who has the tools that he has, and, and he knows that. And, man, is there a guy you know, having any more fun in college football than him? I love that side of him. I talked to him earlier this week, and he's just used for this game. His team is. And, and I do think they come out the looser team in this ball game, and a lot of it is because of him and his post-game antics that I don't know if you saw, but we did a little feature on the Pac-12 Network, so we'll, we'll re-air that tonight during our uh, pregame show as well. Well, Yogi, we appreciate the time as always. Can you reassure Ute fans that they're going to win the game, or is that a bridge too far? <laughs> I, every every single five minutes, I, I roll the other side of the bed, or I'm pacing around Vegas. Uh, there's an argument for either team. You know, look, there's a reality that the Ducks are the two-time defending champs, and they got to be dethroned. And they've thrown down in that regard. And against Utah in 2019, they did. But to your point of 13 days ago, the Utes put it on them. So I, I love 
so many elements of this game. I think Utah's proven to be the more consistent team. Uh, we'll see how healthy they are in their offensive line. Obviously, that's going to be a thing. Uh, and they can't let Kayvon Thibodeau do what he's done in Pac-12 championship games, which is be a game wrecker. I mean, that's what he's done. SC and Utah, you know, we all remember fourth and one in Zach Moss in the first drive of the game a couple of years ago. So I see it going both ways, man. I do believe that Utah is probably a little bit more consistent when you watch him on film uh, at times. But, man, Oregon's playing for a lot. You know, I, I got off presenting to the playoff committee yesterday morning around this time, and if there's a two-loss champion debate, Oregon Ducks, they got a real shot if things go their way Saturday, get to the playoffs. So everybody will be playing for a lot on the line. So I don't know, man. I, I, I guarantee it'll be a great game, and if Utah does win, I'll invite everybody to Venice Beach. Let's get in the water and paddle out a little bit before the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you know, Yogi, you're talking to a couple of guys. I used to work for the Daily Breeze down there in Torrance, and you're talking to two guys who have California roots. So you've got to stop posting beach pictures in late November now that we live in Utah. You're, you're torturing us, us yes, Yogi. You are. You are just, torturing just stop yeah, that, stop. man. I'll stop. I'll Come stop. No more late November picks in 2021. <laughs> I'll start with late the, December. June, July, August. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm, I'm so confident on the Utes when we get done here in a half hour. I'm going to the sports book, Yogi, and then I'm going to keep walking right out the door without reaching into my wallet. <laughs> Do it. Don't don't get tempted, man. Yeah, rat poison. Stay away. <laughs> rat poison. Nice. Yep, that's for sure. Nice. Thanks, Yogi. As always, we appreciate it. All right. Later. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network football analyst, join us right here on The Zone. DJ and PK, more in a moment. Everything you missed in this show, Mark Matson, UVU basketball coach, David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, Yogi Roth on the Pac-12 Networks. And the Pac-12 playoff game, the uh, title game, we'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Jason fakes it, Got play it. action. Wide open. Left side of the far side of the field. Little Jordan Humphrey. That is going to be a touchdown. Prescott's going to toss the play wide to Pollard. Broke a tackle. Got a block on the edge. Sprinting to the 50. Pollard down the left sideline. One man to beat, and he'll beat him. All the way to the pylon. Touchdown, Pollard. Hill throws its intercepted at the 25. Down the left side. Into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Carlos Watkins, a defensive tackle. Snap to Taysom. Cowboys rush four. Complete across the middle to Deontay. Got some room to run. 35, 40, 45. Midfield. Nice crossing the field to the far side. 40, 30. He's going to be going all the way. See you later. Bye. Deontay Harris and a touchdown. Saints. Thursday night football, Cowboys beat the Saints 27-17. It is time to get you up to speed on everything we have been talking about this morning. 
9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up special or visit online at leesheatac.com. Here's the long touchdown run, PK. I have never seen a defensive back do what Marcus Williams did. He was like running alongside him but 10 yards away from him, waiting for the cutback. Seemingly unaware that, well, if I don't do something, he's just going to run down the sideline into the end zone, which he did. It was the weirdest looking play. Reminded me of those two guys who ran out on the field when Hank Aaron hit that historic home run (laughs) and they're running alongside him. Yeah. Okay. That's an odd mix. And yet it works. We've all seen that a million I don't know times. What that was, yeah. I mean, the headline for local fans is Taysom Hill at quarterback, and it's his fifth start, and it was clearly the worst of the five. He threw four picks. He'd only thrown four picks in like a hundred and forty passes in the NFL. No, and then wasn't, he throws it wasn't three. his fault. Come on, the refs, the line, the, <laughs> the hands. Come on, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> he throws three in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Not good. Didn't you know when he came out for that possession? That he was going to throw the fourth pick. Yes, yeah. Didn't it the energy like was the energy was all well. the he, energy was all wrong. Yeah. It was all wrong, and, and the whole game was a to the defensive line. It just yeah. seemed like yeah. the whole the whole game was a struggle for that offense, and they were you know repeatedly telling us the two tackles are out and they didn't have Kamara and they were certainly shorthanded. But that game started. There were there were four punts in that game, and we were like ten minutes in, <laughs> and a missed field goal. And they throw up the graphic, hey, there's four first downs now, two for each team. I'm thinking, great, we've had four punts too. Somebody, move the ball here. And uh, CeeDee Lamb, I thought, was really the difference maker in the game. He made plays on a night that other guys were dropping balls, running the wrong routes, throwing interceptions, both quarterbacks throwing behind guys. It was not the cleanest Christmas NFL game I've ever seen, that's for sure. But the Cowboys got a win. They are 8-4. It's funny you say that. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, it's funny you say that with C.D. Lamb because, you know, I got hooked up with some Vegas guys. A 72, I played golf yesterday, played a few holes in the afternoon. And a 72-year-old guy who's a native, born and raised in Vegas. You don't see that very often. And then another young guy. Uh, and so, you know, he finds out what I do. I tell him. And, oh, you, you follow the Raiders? I said, yeah, we got Lincoln Kennedy on every week. Can you believe that they took the uh, Ruggs kid over C.D. Lamb? We could have had C.D. Lamb. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was really good. If you weren't noticing how good he was, you weren't paying attention. He flipped the field a couple times early when neither team could move the ball and picked up a big first down later on. And he was just electric. He was really good. Uh, NFL football this weekend, kind of taking a backseat to the big college games, but there are some interesting games. The Chargers and Bengals, uh, that is two teams, both above 500, battling for possibly trying to catch their division leaders and if not, get a wild card. So it'll be a big win for whoever gets it. Broncos, uh, one of the teams chasing the Chiefs, have now taken the lead in the AFC West. They're meeting in Kansas City Sunday night in the primetime game. The Buccaneers with Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards suspended because they misrepresented their vaccination status to the club in the league. They're out three games each for suspensions. The Buccaneers have to play the Falcons. So, a few intriguing games to watch this weekend. College football, PK, normally I, and this and by normal, I mean year after year, I root for chaos. The system is built to... Few, uh, favor a few leagues and, and really inside of that a few a few schools and I usually like chaos but chaos is the only thing that gets two loss Alabama in so I will 
I think I'm going to be rooting for favorites here this weekend because that'll give us some some fresh faces. If Oklahoma <laughs> State wins and gets in, I'm for it. If Cincinnati wins and is undefeated and in, I'm for it. But chaos, that's just an excuse to let in the, the familiar two-loss big dogs back into the playoff. Forget that. I, I don't really care about that. I just it, it is set up. We know it's uh, slanted. But at the same time, those programs pour all the money into it. And the emphasis is so great that, in a sense, they've earned the right to have it be slanted in their direction. To me, this is like uh, tonight is my childhood. You know, when I was growing up, uh, actually not my childhood, because I really I got, I got more into college football when I was in college. Uh, so not really my childhood. But youth. it was always, for me, as a Pac-10 kid, it was always about going to the Rose Bowl. And that's all that mattered. That's the, that's the only game I cared about. I, I remember I've told this story, watching the Rose Bowl as a kid in New Jersey, and I'm thinking there's a place where people are wearing shorts at 2.30 in the afternoon on January 1st. And it, I've never been there, but that's what heaven must look like. Hmm. And to be able to go there years later uh, and been there many times over has just, you know, the first time was awesome. Uh, so that's all I ever really cared about. And then with the Pac-10, you know, you had all these leagues and the, the national title was concocted. And I just thought, well, just going to the Rose Bowl, that defines a great season for me because – Back East, college football, there weren't, uh, wasn't that big. For us, it was Notre Dame, and then you had Paterno, uh, Penn State, because where, where I was from and my people, his name ended in a vowel. And that was about it. And, uh, but then I got to Arizona, and it was about the conference. And that's what we got tonight. You know, It's about going to the Rose Bowl. The winner goes to the Rose Bowl. That's still, for me means a whole lot and i don't care about that other stuff and what they're gonna release on sunday morning and good for them and i'll be sucked in i'll watch it just for the fandom of it because there's probably nothing else to do that night but i'm all about the rose bowl let let the playoff do what it does the winner tonight gets to go to the rose bowl and it could be guys that we've known for years and players that we've interviewed a hundred times and it's like, to me, this is like when Utah made the Final Four. And maybe the Utah Final Four is a bigger deal, but it's little old Utah. And I was at the Final Four, and it was awesome. And I anticipate tonight being awesome, and if they should win, I anticipate the Rose Bowl being awesome. And that's all I care about. Utah and Oregon tonight, 6 o'clock on ABC. Now, we had Yogi Roth on. He really didn't want to pick a winner, did he? You think Yogi's going to pick a winner? Yes. Come on, Yogi. (laughs) (laughs) Yogi is a Pac-12 homer, but the thing that makes him good is that he has as much knowledge. In fact, I would think he has more knowledge than any media member about the Pac-12. He really does. So I can live with his uh, abundance of positivity. It kind of counterbalances me anyway. So I think our listeners should be able to have that. And but the guy knows his stuff on the Pac-12. He's intimately familiar with everything, with every team. It's really impressive on, on his knowledge of literally all 12 teams. You could you could pick Colorado, Arizona, Cal, and he, he can just deep dives one of those teams. So I get that he wouldn't want to pick a winner, but uh, his interesting takes as far as what he sees in this game and how he's looking for to see who delivers the first punch 
and how does the team who receives the first punch respond? Because somebody's going to deliver the first punch, right? It's not going to be 0-0 zero zero in the fourth quarter. Somebody's going to need And what did the Utes do with Thibodeau? Because if I'm the Morgan – oh, not Morgan Scali, more along the offensive guys, I have nightmares of number five two years ago because if you didn't know about him then, you certainly knew about him afterward. And obviously I had known about him. I'd heard about him in California and what a stud he was and what a stud he is. And, you know, they did a good job of running away from him, but now I expect Cristobal and his folks to make adjustments to see what they can do to make sure that he has the impact that he had two years ago uh, because he's just a phenomenal player. I can make a strong, strong case he is the best player in this game tonight. And if you're the best player, you know, you've got to have a major impact in the way that Devin Lloyd defensively has had major impacts in most of, if not all, of the Utah wins. Aggies and Aztecs, 1 o'clock on Fox tomorrow for the Mountain West Conference title. The Aztecs are 11-1. and They dominate the line of scrimmage. They push people around. They run the ball. They run the ball. They run the ball some more. They throw it occasionally. they got a good tight end, a good receiver who can make plays down the field, especially when you're focused on stopping that run game. We've had Blake Anderson on saying, eh, we can be physically manhandled. We're not quite big enough. That's an issue. Here's a matchup. The thing is, the one loss, San Diego State's 11-1, and the one loss, Fresno State throws for 306 yards and wins the game. And we've seen the Aggies again and again make big plays in the passing game. It's David and Goliath. Pick up the slingshot and make big plays in the passing game, PK. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know that they're as prolific as Fresno because I think that's what Fresno does in their offense, right? I still have visions of them putting a ton of points on UC Los Angeles and just to think, okay, the Bruins are getting back in the game. Nope, here comes the Bulldogs, and they're scoring again. And so, you know, what's their their, their quarterback? What's the transfer from Washington to Fresno? Yeah. And so I don't know that the Aggies have that good of uh, a uh, – a passing attack, but they're going to have to hit on big plays because you're most not, most likely not going to be able to grind something out against San Diego State. They're going to need Tompkins and all these guys to, to do what they can do and, and find ways and maybe somehow come up with a couple of turnovers. I'm not sure what the line is. I would think it would be like in the 12 to 15 range for San Diego State. I would think they would be a heavy favorite. And we've got the Jazz playing the Celtics tonight because that's just uh, more than we need, but why not? Just pile it on. Give me another game. Uh, David Locke was on earlier this morning, and your takeaway from listening to him talk. Well, he tends to downplay, you know, so he didn't think that the Jazz have gotten off to a good start, doesn't think they have played uh all that well and they're playing the next 47 games are against the best defensive team in the history of the NBA Uh, you know that's what he does makes it sound like if they win it's the greatest thing Uh, but uh, I take a little bit more step back on that uh, as far as a they're a really good team and they should be expected to win at a high high level they haven't won at a higher level than they're capable of but at the same time, they haven't lost at a level that really just startles me. There's been a few losses along the way. But, you know, I take what he says uh, to heart that, the, you know, they're playing some of the better defensive teams. But they have a prolific offense. So I still think it's about the Jazz. I think that if the Jazz do what they can do, the teams that are on their schedule 
uh, on this certainly on this four game road trip, they could win every single one of them. Uh, I don't know if they're going to, um, but probably they could lose every single one. That may be a stretch that they could lose every single one of them. Uh, but you know they, they just they just got to get in a rhythm and let's it's it's to the Jazz we can't go really crazy. It's like the Jazz can't unless they won 18 in a row, they can't impress us. All they can do is think, well, what's wrong with them? Because they're so good, and we expect so much out of them that I don't know if they can exceed our expectations in the regular season. And if they exceed our expectations, then that just says, well, yeah, what are they going to do in the playoff? So we just got to get through this season. <laughs> it's, we're barely into it. We're 25% into it. Uh, so unless I see some dramatic great or dramatic bad, I'm just going to ride along with it. But this will be the first Jazz game of the season that I will not see. You will be watching Utah and Oregon. The Utes are three-point favorites. Tomorrow, the Aztecs are six-point favorites over Utah State. So they're the lines for the title game. Seems low, man. I I am going. I'm going to the sports book when I get done. You're telling me it's only a six? How much you guys want on it? A slice? <laughs> they uh, they beat uh, <laughs> Vegas by eight, Nevada by two, Hawaii by seven. They've been playing a lot of close games lately. Air Force by six, San Jose by six. Aztecs have played plenty of close ones. All right, when we come back, your feedback, that's next. We've got the poll question up. We'll see if uh, how many of you believe in the Utes and Aggies and are they going to win this weekend. We'll do that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Fresh off a upset victory over BYU, in which UVU got the 72-65 victory in overtime. Mark Madsen, head coach at UVU. This win and, and this moment, where does it rank? Well, I just think it was a special moment for our players to be able to play in front of their families, their parents. A packed UCCU center. The student body of UVU, which was just, they rushed the court. Pandemonium was breaking loose after the game. The joy could be felt in the arena. And, and so it was special in that sense. And for me personally, you know, my wife and daughter were up there. You know, my daughter's four months old and her bedtime is 6.30 p.m., but Hannah, my wife, decided to bring her. And so just to be able to share that with my wife and daughter meant a lot for me personally as well. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. your feedback will the Utes beat the Ducks tonight that's the question for a lot of people Haas P who's a big uh, big BYU fan Utah is about to boat race Oregon for the second time and claim their share of the Pac-12 co-championship blood is thicker than water while BYU beat Utah I'd sooner share with little brother than freaking Oregon <laughs> what <laughs> Well, he's saying the co-championship because he's saying, yeah, we're the champs, but if you win the title game, you're the champ, so it's a co-championship. And while a lot of BYU fans don't like Utah and like to root against him, he'd rather share with Utah than Oregon because he hates freaking Oregon. My guess is for all the Nike money, like many people, you've brought it up a time or a dozen. Yeah, all I know is the winner's going to the Rose Bowl, and that yeah. was my dream as a kid. Uh, so Utah, they win, they go to the Rose Bowl, and they got beat by BYU. All right, those two things can co- coincide, and I can be happy. 
Will the Aggies and Utes capture conference titles this weekend? Yep, both are going to win. 33% of the vote. Nope, both are going to lose. 20% of the vote. Uh, Utah wins and the Aggies lose. 30% of the folks think that's how it's going to play out. It's going to be chalk. The Vegas oddsmakers got it right. 17% think the oddsmakers are backwards on both of them, and we'll have uh, Utah losing and the Aggies winning. If we break it out by school, that's basically 63, almost 64% of the people think the Utes are going to win. And the Aggies, it's basically a 50-50 proposition amongst our, our voters here. So we got over 400 votes so far. You can go to Twitter, David DJ James. More people weighing in on the show this morning. What you have seen, what you have heard, what you think. Matthew says the Aggies will get trounced and fans should be okay with that. They 2014 seminoled their way to this game. And now they're facing the best San Diego State team in decades, while at the same time, USU's defense has allowed more than 40 points against any team with multiple running backs. Matthew thinks the Aggies are going to get pushed around. Yeah, I don't know. With, with, that, with multiple running backs, I'm not sure how that relates uh, because it seems to me, you know, obviously Air Force, because they run the ball so much, they can put a ton of points on, and if they do it, it's going to be on the ground. But I, I can just see Wyoming just moving the ball through the air a bunch, and I'm not sure that plays into San Diego State's strength. So that's where I think they have an opportunity to keep it close because San Diego State, by definition of the way they play, tends to allow you to keep it close. Yes, exactly. They're running the ball and they're shortening games. There's fewer possessions. It's harder to pull away. They throw it a little bit to keep you off balance, kind of. But they are really fully committed. Yeah, and they're not, they're not necessarily looking. Everybody wants big plays in the run game, but I don't think that's their objective to get you in some bizarre mismatch like Air Force is, and then you break off a 40- or 50-yard run. Yeah. I think they're looking to grind you. And that I think you're spot on on what you've been talking about, how Blake Anderson has willingly admitted that we're not strong enough right now. We're not big enough. He has said that on our show multiple times, and you're going up against a team that is a classic version of being bigger and stronger and, and being able to push you around, impose your will, that type of stuff. We saw it against the Utes, and we've seen it if you watch their team, and you probably watch every game. I don't watch every game for the San Jose State, but when they're available, I do. That's not a conflict, and this is what they do. That's why... I think it's going to be extremely hard and why I hurt Riley Jensen's feelings on Wednesday. I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> Riley got really fired up. <laughs> yeah, get it. He's a fan, man. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the games. The Utes tonight at 6. The Jazz tonight at 7. The Aggies tomorrow at 1. We will be back here tomorrow morning. Well, and then it's RSL after that, isn't it? We're not back here tomorrow morning. Monday morning. I'll, I'll be back Sorry. here tomorrow morning. <laughs> I got in the middle of tomorrow. Oh, you will? What time will you be here tomorrow? Give yourself a plug. Saturday show, 10 to noon, so have some fun. That'll almost feel like an Aggie pregame, won't it? And a U postgame. That's what I'll it's going to be. into one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jake and Ben are coming up next. Stay with us.